Hello, our podcast is about staying connected with the people of our communities, their families, businesses, sexual events, and personal life issues. This is Bethany and Dr. Sarah with Staying Connected in the Wiregrass. This is episode eight. And Dr. Sarah, it's been so long since I spoke to you. It's been like a month since our last episode. That's okay because... Life gets busy and just means that we get busy as well, too. And it's just a normal part of life. So tell that me. That is so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you been up to lately? How was your weekend? Wow. Um, I had a good weekend, as always, with these little ones, you know, running around every Every day is full and every day is busy. Nevertheless, it was very productive because we've been teaching class, you know, every day. We actually have classes five days a week, no, six days a week um, with being Saturday mornings as well. And so, and then Sunday, we still have Sunday school, but as far as the other classes, we're having classes six days a week. Just really keeping busy so that, you know, I keep my mind where it needs to be and focused on doing the things that we need to do in spite of this pandemic. How about you? I've been good. I just went to Atlanta over the weekend with my boyfriend Still social distancing and everything, so we made sure to be safe. But that's pretty much mm-hmm. been it. So, but it was a good weekend because I got to see him. So, yeah, I know you were having a really good weekend. You didn't even return my text. I know. I opened it and I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to it in a few minutes. Totally forgot. And I was about to text you today. And then I was like, shoot, I never responded to your text message. <laughs> I felt so No, bad. you know like, what? Oh. I knew you were busy. I knew I just was sending it because it was on my <laughs> mind. So I was like, let me send it now. And I was hoping that it did not disturb you because I know that <laughs> you two have not had an opportunity to really, you know, because of your <laughs> distance dating and everything. So I was like, I hope she don't read it until afterwards. I think I put it in there, too. I think so. Tell you not to read it. Yeah. Normally, I'm pretty good at responding back to text messages. So if it does take me like five days to get back to you, it just means I forgot to respond, which happens quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes it's just like that. I I get a text message and if I'm not near the phone, um, sometimes I'll look at it and, you know, by the time I respond, in some cases, I'm pretty good at responding back because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm annoyed. Now, I didn't tell you to respond back. I didn't want you to respond back until after your weekend was over. But I actually get annoyed when I send like a professional text or email and people don't respond. That is so unprofessional to me. Yeah, I don't like that either because I, I always have to respond. I even did this with an email. Someone re- emailed me and I like opened it and I was like, oh, I'll respond to it in a little while. Completely forgot five days later. So clearly my mind was yeah. in another place. <laughs> Not responding to text well, messages. Well, you're a busy woman. Yeah. You are a busy woman. So, you know, one of the good things, though, about uh, what we're doing is that we have been able to continue our mission to stay connected with the people in our community. We've been able to continue this despite this, um, you know, pandemic and the numbers increasing. We're still practicing social distancing Mm -hmm. and we're still being able to do what we're doing successfully. And so I have some good news to share with you. Ooh, what is that? And um, I could not wait. So... (laughs) Although this isn't, and I have to say this because I do get a lot of people who um, attend my husband's fellowship who uh, listen to our podcast. Um, This isn't a spiritual or religious show. However, we do want to always have an inspirational flow. Mm -hmm. So, Bethany, as of today, I got the report in. 
We have close to 200 people that are listening to our podcast. And they are, we also have people in three countries, Barbados, Canada, and Africa. Wow. Jeez, go I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I am so excited about that. And um, apparently people like the fact that, you know, we're talking about everyday issues and current events and things that people are actually having to go through. And so, again, I'm I'm happy to be able to be doing this. And uh, I could not have chosen a better person to partner with in this Uh podcast than you. So thank you again for joining me with this. Thank you. And I'm sorry I don't respond to your text messages. (laughs) No, 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 no. You know, I'm just teasing on that. You always respond to my text messages. Plus, again, I did not want you to respond to that text message because not then. You're okay after after your weekend was over. (laughs) So, um, again, as we've already said, we've talked to... um, Some of our uh, viewers, we've had this conversation before on the radio show about long distance dating Mm -hmm. and you are successfully long distance dating. So give our viewers, our listeners, if you can, some tips on how they can have a successful long distance dating experience. Well, it's definitely not an easy thing. I feel like if you're in a long distance relationship, and someone tells you, oh, it's so easy. I I wouldn't trust that, especially with a pandemic added into it. But the main things that we make at work, as you're probably going to hear me say this a lot, is communication and trust. I feel like if you don't have either of those in a long distance relationship, it's just not going to work or you're going to struggle a lot. We've been in a long distance relationship for almost a year and a half now. And just... Uh-huh. Like, we'll have arguments occasionally, just like the healthy arguments. And it's just Uh 10 times harder in a long-distance relationship because you're not there in person to resolve the issues. You have to do it over the phone or over FaceTime. So it's just, it's like another world with dating. But we do make it work. We communicate. We text every single day. We try and FaceTime every single day. So just simple things like that. And we also try and see each other quite a bit with the pandemic. We couldn't see each other for about four months, which was really hard, but there was nothing we could do. It was out of our control. So once we felt safe enough to travel, that's when we decided to see each other. And we just make weekend trips when we can. And I mean, when he was here a few weeks ago, we didn't want to go out to a restaurant, but I still wanted like a date night because you still want to do those types of thing with your significant other. So we got takeout and we had like a nice little dinner and it was still safe. We were social distanced and it was just nice to do those things because it's the little things that we take for granted. And then we went to like a drive-in movie theater, which was a lot of fun because we love drive-ins. So those are cute little date ideas that you can do. And I know Dr. Sarah, you've mentioned even watching like TV shows together, which Kevin and I, we do that too. And we'll like text each other while we're watching the same TV show. So it's kind of like you're in the same room as each other. Yeah, and even cooking dinner together, Mm -hmm. since you do have the uh, video 
uh, capabilities, mm-hmm. even, uh, you know, cooking dinner together and getting dressed up, you know, having your dinner date. I was going to say this, too, that even uh, I, I agree with you as far as communication and honesty, because whether you're in a long distance relationship, we do a marriage enrichment and empowerment session every Monday. Uh, my husband and I, and we do it uh, via Zoom and conference line. We often talk about keeping lines of communication open and always being honest in the way that we communicate, you know, with one another. And so whether you are long distance dating or not, you do need to have an open line of communication open um, and you do need to have honesty. Mm-hmm. And that is the, you know, two of the key components of, of any type of relationship, even if it's, you know, girlfriends, you know, and guy friends, you know, any type of friendships, um, you do need to have good communication. Of course, I think that, um, of course, in a marital or a, um, a significant other relationship, it's even more important, you know, that you uh, be able to communicate on a certain level. Thank you so much for sharing uh, that information. And we hope that, you know, our viewers take heed to uh, the tips that Bethany has given you today because uh, her and her boyfriend have been able to. And they're, they're young people, um, but they are doing it and they're doing it successfully. And so very good advice. And if they um, need advice or someone to talk to and just vent to, I'm here for them because it's always nice talking to someone who's going through the same thing as you because it's hard when you're hanging out with people and you don't and like they're with their significant other and it's like you just miss your person so much. So I'm here if someone needs to talk to you. There you go. And that's the same way with um, me for the marriages. If you guys ever, if you're single or you're in a long distance dating relationship rather, and you need some advice on how to deal with that, you can always call Bethany. And if you are married and you're, you just need some assistance in your marriage, not necessarily counseling, but coaching, you know, someone to talk to, you can always call me. And so, again, we're here to try and keep you connected in our community and to stay connected with you. So now we have something that is very, very important, Mm -hmm. Uh, something that's very serious um, that we want to talk about today. And I'm going to let you, you want to start the conversation, Bethany? Sure. Um, So this is, when I lived in Michigan, actually, this was a huge thing, and it's huge literally all over the world is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. bunch of signs to look for, but we also want to talk about it to show you those signs and how to protect yourselves and your children too, because it's a major issue that's continuing to grow every single day. It certainly is. It's a lot uh, more serious than a lot of people think that it is. In fact, human trafficking, I did some research on it, is the fastest growing crime in the United States. And so uh, it doesn't seem to be decreasing. Uh, It seems to be increasing. And there are uh, videos that you can watch. I want to share, if I may, just a story of a a 14-year-old girl. You can find this online. Her name is Brittany, and she attended school every day. Uh, She had plenty of friends. But a guy that lived near her bus stop, he convinced her to spend some time with him And before she knew it, he was selling her to other men. They paid him to have sex with the child. And so she had become a victim of human trafficking. Again, this is the fastest growing crime in the United States. I think it's something we should be talking about, you know, in addition to all of the other things that are going on. I know we have so much, but 
this is so important because there are things, warning signs, you know, for us to uh, pay attention to. And this is how it prevents it presents itself in two forms. <laughs> First, sex trafficking and labor trafficking. So those are the two forms of human trafficking, sex trafficking and labor trafficking. Both of them involve force, fraud, or coercion and result in the exploitation of the most vulnerable people, which are children in our society. And so there is a video that you can watch called Best Basics. It's a video for uh, training. And we are uh, telling people who, uh, parents to watch this video, you know, as well as employers and to train your staff on what to look for. Did you have anything that you wanted to um, to add to that, Bethany? Uh, well, just it's so easy to go about our normal life. Well, the new normal life, I should say, every single day, mm-hmm. just going to the store and not thinking about it. But like we heard, I heard stories in Michigan of it just happening when you're running an errand or going to get groceries and you park your car and you go to your car and you find something on the windshield wiper. And that's a distraction that human traffickers use to grab you. So it's something so simple like that, that they have you trapped right then and there. Also, I, so I was looking online yesterday and uh, this was very interesting because at hotels, uh, there were a couple of young ladies had taken a girl's trip. Apparently the front desk clerk gave their, the room, uh, their room key to a guy or two. And somehow they were able to discover that they had been in their room. Somebody heard them that they had been in the room and they had to call the police in and everything. And so, again, these are things that we have to be very careful of. Young ladies, when you are out there taking girls trip, you know, we watched the movie Taken. I just saw another movie called Runners the other day. I just saw that the other day and it's talking about human trafficking. You got to be careful when you're going to parties, you know, not to be alone. And maybe you're not doing that during this uh, pandemic season that we're in. But even after this is over, as Bethany just said, going to the store and going back to the car, uh, this is the one big thing that I think, you know, some of us are very guilty of holding our cell phones, looking at our cell phones while we're walking. Mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty, I see so many young and old, but especially young people holding those cell phones down and not paying attention, a car could be backing out or anything, and they are not paying attention. And so it is just that easy for um, someone to, as the definition of human trafficking is often referred to as modern-day slavery, according to the definitions used by Homeland Security, human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion uh, to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Even the labor trafficking, it occurs most often when someone is forced or coerced into working for a little to no money in a factory, domestic servitude, or manual labor type industry. So you have to have um, an awareness. You know, even if you live, like we live in a a safe community, but of course there's still crime, Mm -hmm. you have to be alert. And parents, tell tell your teenagers, get off the phone. When you come out the store or in the store, you know, wait until you get into a safe place, get in the car, lock the door, you know, turn the engine on. And then if you need to text someone or call someone before you pull off, do that. 
but it's by all means necessary. Turn your phone, you know, just don't be on the phone while you are going to and fro. I always have my phone like near me. So that way, like if I need to call 911, it's like right in my hands. Because my dad, like he's mm-hmm. a huge worry wart. Like he's always like, don't go to a store late at night. Don't do this. Don't do mm-hmm. that. I mean, yeah. I'm his only child. So, of course, he's going to worry about me. But I always laugh. But it's not a laughing matter. Like, because I do need to take it more seriously. But I'm like you. I don't talk on the phone. Because when I went to college, that was why, like one of the first things they told us was like, if you're walking alone at night, don't be on your phone because that's a lot of people are going to try and get you when you're distracted like that. And, you know, they monitor you Mm -hmm. Uh, like with uh, Brittany, who was 14. He was monitoring the fact that she went to uh, that bus stop every day and he waited. And so they are crafty. This is what they do. Remember, the key word here is that they force you. And before you know it, they have you uh, performing sex acts. And of course, most of this is children. This is, I was looking at the name of this group because I did get the name of the group in case anybody want to go to their website. They have videos and stuff on there that you can watch. It's called Guardian Group. That's what it's called. And they actually focus on sex trafficking. It says the trade of anything of value for a sex act through the use, force, fraud, or coercion. And so, again, this is not consensual. Uh, this is the, the fact that uh, there are people out here, and we know that there is a case right now where that uh, the guy, he uh, committed suicide, they said, but his girlfriend. And so there is a case right now, high-profile case, where allegedly these are some, some uh, allegations against them. And so we want to be careful uh, during this time. I know our children want to get out. You know, they're tired of uh, being in the house and not being able to be, you know, around their friends. So not only do we have to protect ourselves from the coronavirus, we also have to protect ourselves and our neighbors from uh, human traffickers, you Mm -hmm. know, that are out there trying to uh, traffic children. I know this was really big, too. There were a lot of reports when uh, Hurricane Katrina threw that particular area in Louisiana, and, and a lot of those children still have not been found or placed with their parents. And so, you know, again, we're just trying to uh, help people to stay connected to the stuff that's going on around the world. And in a lot of cases, it could happen even in your neighborhood. And so there are things that we can look for. I wanted to also say that when it comes down to sex trafficking, that, as we stated, it is one of the fastest growing crimes in the world. And the reason why it's such a rapid increase is because they can be sold for sex acts numerous times. Again, this is just one of those heinous crimes. It talked about the Internet where it has also allowed this crime to scale at an incredible pace. And remember, Bethany, we were talking about how uh, long distance dating and people meeting people, you know, Mm -hmm. over the Internet. And that's one way. Yeah, because some people how they start their relationship in a long distance relationship mm-hmm. or they've never even met the other person. So you really don't know like right. who you're dating. I mean, unless you like FaceTime and they are who they really say they are because that is obviously possible. But then it's also possible that they're catfishing you or they are a human trafficker. And you know something that's really big that I want to talk to um, ladies, and I think I'm going to try, Lord willing, to do a um, conference call just on this with my mentorship program, Rock Your Wear. One of the things they had on here is, because they're, you know, ages, but it says, 
What is every 15-year-old girl looking for? Love, understanding, and acceptance. Couple that with low self-esteem, and it creates a perfectly vulnerable target. So we've got to give that to our daughters so that they will understand that they do not need to get that from any other source. And that part, you know, is on us as parents. Let's just make sure that our children understand that we love them, that we understand, you know, we've been teenagers before, that they are accepted even with their flaws, and that they are beautiful people. They don't have to have low self-esteem. And teach them about their purpose in life because when they don't, when they feel that way about themselves, statistics have shown that this is what creates them to be vulnerable targets. So what do you think we can also do to prevent, you know, these girls from going into, you know, from being vulnerable? Because you are a very confident young lady who lives, of course, you're a lot older than 15, but I'm <laughs> saying, what did your mom do, you know, to help you as a young girl to to know that you were loved, understood, and accepted? Um, well, my parents, like, we're all very close. I mean, they told me I could do whatever I wanted when I grew up, like, the sky was the limit. And they told me just to set my mind to whatever I wanted, but they also love me. They also gave me hugs and they told me I'm here for you if you need anything. So just things like that, like we're a very nurturing family, like I'm very much a family person. So I think having their love and support helped me a lot. So I knew if I made a mistake, at least I had my family behind my back 100 percent, which is a huge thing. Yeah, Most people think that this is just something that's happening you know, in other countries or across the border. It has been reported in all 53 states with 83% of their victims uh, being U.S. citizens. In addition to that, um, it is estimated that the number of children who are at risk or have already been pulled into the sex trade, this is staggering, would fill 1,300 school buses. Jeez. That, that, that's staggering. That is, oh, my goodness. Um, in addition to that, 44% of victims reported no one reached out and offered them help uh, out of that life, with another 26% reporting rarely ever being offered help. So not only are these people victims, but just like what you just said, we are so busy that we aren't even looking to see if, you know, if something is just wrong. And that is why they're saying it's time for us to educate our population and to be willing to say something when we see something that looks suspicious. So 99% of the buyers, of course, are, well, I shouldn't say of course, but male most of them are men. They come from all backgrounds, races, ages, and workforces. And it is not uncommon for them to be married and have children themselves. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is why we are bringing, talking about this today, because we realize that uh, although it's a scary thing, it's something that we really do need to talk about. So just one more point. It says, what does sex trafficking look like? Because I think we all want to know, you know, how can I, if I do want to help, what does it look like? Yeah. So it says it looks, it has a, a multitude of ways. Every predator and victim have a unique story. 
The only common factor is that no one is immune. This crime affects those from every socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, and background. A history of child abuse, foster care, or running away uh, does increase the susceptibility of becoming a victim of sex trafficking. However, in that same vein, not all victims share this background. So, again, we see that um, children who have had some type of problem, you know, with child abuse or foster care, they're just kind of running away that it makes them, of course, more susceptible. Uh, but you could be just like the other little girl getting on your bus, and here's this friendly neighbor that you've been knowing, you know, because they've moved into your community, and somehow they convince you at 14 to spend time with them. I will say this. I walked all my children to the bus stop when they um, rode the bus to school. I saw to them getting on the bus. They didn't ride in the car with anyone. Um, if they missed the bus, I drove them to school. And, of course, these numbers, I'm sure uh, there was some human trafficking going on then. I was not aware uh, of it, but I still did what I needed to do to protect my children. You can't always be there. I understand that. But I also let them know that they were loved, you know, understood and accepted. And I, I tried to discipline them as much as I possibly could to be, you know, good people. I could not imagine what a mother or father, even siblings, would feel, you know, to have their family member gone, disappeared, you know. And so we have to be vigilant as a community uh, and look out for one another because this is a dangerous crime and it is growing rapid. It's increasing day by day. And so we kind of have to police our communities. Also, too, my dad, he always ingrained this into my brain, like in college when I'd go out to parties, he was like, make sure like if you leave your drink, don't go back for it. Always have like your hand over your drink because you never know if people are going to drug you behind your back, which I could never drink Mm -hmm. beer anyways because it upsets my stomach. So I always had like a mixed drink and um, like a water bottle with a cap over it which I think helped me out Mm -hmm. a lot because you would have to physically like unscrew the top to pour something in there so just things like Mm -hmm. that like one of my friends in Michigan she actually got drugged at a bar but she was with her friends and her friends noticed she went from like zero to 180 real quick and they noticed something was not right so luckily her friends were around and we're able to take her home and make sure she made it home okay. But like if her friends weren't there, we don't know what would have happened. We had my my dad taught me the same exact thing. Like you, I, I was not a uh, a drinker. Um, from time to time, maybe once or twice, I've actually um, taken a drink, and I found that it was not something uh, that I wanted to do. It wasn't a desire of mine. And, um, but I always had friends around, but my dad always said, you know, never leave your drink, even if that was a Coke, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, never leave your drink. Um, and then he would tell me, he said, you know, find uh, the exit, know where the entrance is and know where the exit is in case you have to leave out. My husband is really big on this part. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, sex trafficking, I guess, but he, he never likes his back to sit to the door. You know, his thing is because if I see something coming in, I need to be able to protect you. I taught my children these same things. I never let them ride in the car 
uh, with another child, another peer. I never let them do anything like that. I taught them the same. To me, I call them life skills, you know, survival skills. If they were to go anywhere, they had to go in groups, five or more, even dating. And I told them, if you're going to date someone, everybody's got to go. You know, we want other people around so that there will be some witnesses, you know, in case something happens. We needed phone numbers. You know, I wanted to meet the parents. I always met the parents because I need to know, you know, where the child lived, the type of personality that their parents have. And I know sometimes people think that maybe that's overboard. But if your child ever went missing, I don't think it'll ever be too overboard. I don't think that, you know, I would say it like this. I am sure any parent that's in that situation, number one, they start to blame themselves, you know, and they start to think, what did I do? Because it's not just human trafficking. You know, let's, let's look at it, say, like a relationship, you know, that they're in, and your child gets their heart broke or something like that, and you're – you automatically, whenever your child is in a situation where they're vulnerable or something has happened, you always look to, did I do the right thing? You know, did I, was I too strict or was I not strict enough? We always go through that, you know, those phases and those, those sequence of questions. But I say, just do all that you can do to protect them. And that is even training them. You know, I'm going to be talking to my grandchildren, although their mom doesn't let them out of her sight, but still, they're going to get older. She's not, she's not going to be able to be there with them all the time. I'm going to talk to my children about this as well as my staff and even our church ministry because these are things that we need to know. And just like you said earlier, sometimes we're just too busy to even notice. You know, how many children, and I hate to think about it, but I would pray that I never came across a child that was in that position, and I was too busy to look at the signs yeah. because I really didn't know, you know. And I pray that that has never happened and that they tried to reach out to me somehow, some way, and I didn't respond. The best way that we can protect not only our children is to get informed as what we're doing and educating ourselves on, number one, it is real. We're not in denial that it is happening you know, and, and do our best, again, to be vigilant in our community's school. If, if school is getting ready to start back up, if you even if you don't have young children, you know, and you see children out there on the bus stop by themselves early in the morning and it's dark, you know, maybe we should just sit there for a while and make sure that they get on the bus safe. You know, anything that we can do to try to help protect our, our community, I think we should try. Yeah, my neighbors, they always watched me when I would like walk to the bus stop and I'd walk back just to make sure I was safe. Because mm-hmm. like my mom, yeah. well, we lived right by the bus stop. So my mom, my mom would always watch me get on the mm-hmm. bus. But then at night, like or in the, the afternoon, like my dad, he would work during the afternoon. So luckily my neighbors were there. So if I did need something, they weren't too far away. So I always felt protected and safe. When I was a teenager, let me see, I've, actually, I always walked to school because we didn't have um, public, you know, transportation where school buses. When I was a young child, I always walked to school, but I had my brother um, to walk to school with me. We also went to high school together, but he had what they call vocational school. So he had that the later part, you know, half of the day. He went in the evening. And so this one particular day, 
um, I was walking home from school and it was the winter time and I had to go across a park. This guy was following me and I was so scared. I was walking as fast as I possibly could. And then um, this actually happened to me twice. It happened to my brother and I when we were little children at about, uh, I think he may have been second grade, third grade, and I was in first. We saw my oldest brother, and we were able to call out to him, and the guy ran. And then it happened to me when I was in high school. I think I was probably uh, ninth or tenth grade. When I got to the concrete, uh, the sidewalk, I was able to run, and I ran to where some people was. And so I looked around and he had uh, disappeared. But I ran all the way home. And so what I did was, because my parents worked, and so they couldn't pick me up from school, but instead of walking down through the park and down the side streets, I walked down the main street where it was busy traffic and there were more students who walked home, you know, walking that route. And then I tried to find other students that lived. It just so happened that my, high, my home was in between two high schools. And I chose to go to the one opposed to the other because it was, there was no way I could have walked to it. So it, although the one I went to was far, it was still closer uh, than the other one. And so I, every time I could, I would try and find someone that could walk at least most of the way uh, home with me. Uh, and then my mother, when she would get off work early, she would pick me up from school. But that is what made me really make sure that I always watch my children. You know, I always took them to school and, and not allow them to, um, to walk or I made sure somebody was there to pick them up because that was frightening, yeah, you know, to so me. Scary. And I just never, ever, you know. Good thing oh, nothing yes. happened. It, it was terrifying. And I... I didn't even know what I would have done because, you know, in Michigan, you're running. You got snow boots, yeah. heavy coat, backpack, you know, and I'm running with everything. But one thing I will say, I've always had my mother was a praying woman and she brought us up, you know, to pray. And so I knew how to call on Jesus. <laughs> I knew how to pray and be like, Lord, help me, you know, and I was crying, but I was running. I was really, really you know, afraid. And so I'm just thankful that in, in either case, they didn't catch us and nothing happened to us. But that is, again, why we have to be vigilant and we have to protect our children. You know, one thing about me, even with the girls, the uh, cherishing Chloe. So, you know, I have my, my office and uh, my coaching business. Mm. Well, if I can't, this is a decision that I had to make. If I cannot responsibly take care of them, and there was one that I had to choose, I would choose them. I would not choose my coaching business over them because I believe in being responsible. And what is, what's the greatest way to coach a life than to coach these little girls, you know? to make sure that they have a chance at having a successful future. And so thankfully, and in a way I kind of feel bad about saying this because so many people have suffered in this pandemic, but thankfully because this happened, I didn't have to make the choice. I was able to work from home and my clientele actually increased instead of decreasing. 
And so because that was a concern, I didn't want to neglect my responsibility uh, in mothering them and choose, you know, business over that. And some sometimes that's a hard decision, of course, to make. And single moms is difficult. So they can't be there all the time to put their children on the bus, you know. So I'm grateful that I have a husband who provides for us. So it wasn't that big of a deal in a sense for me, although it's a, a passion of mine. But every day, families have to face these types of decisions, especially during this pandemic, that they have to leave their children home mm-hmm. and go to work, you know, unattended a lot of times. So we need more community, uh, people in the community um, to look out for these types of, you know, predators that try to take advantage of our children. When I was in school, they taught us, I don't know why they taught us this, it's still like in my head to this day. But they said, like, if someone's after you with a gun to run in mm-hmm. zigzags because it's harder for them yeah. to point at you. And then they uh-huh. also told us if you're in trouble to yell fire because a lot of times fire? people. Will, yeah. Because oh. a lot of times people will come out if you yell fire as opposed to someone has a gun because people are going to try and avoid that. Oh, you know, that's good. That I can see the, the rationale in that. Yeah. I think they taught us. I think they taught us that in like primary school, and to this day, I still remember that. Wow! Yeah, I remember the first part where they would tell you to run zigzag. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the first time I've actually heard yell fire, Mm -hmm. and that's something I'm certainly going to spread. That that will be the the information that I give um, to to young. And of course, you know, anyone that, because there's something else. Okay, so I know a lot of human trafficking deals with uh, children. But last year, I was, year before last, was last year? Last year, yeah. I um, was attending a, um, I belong to a, a, a network association called Professional Women. And so while we were there, and I never heard this before. One of the members is an airline stewardess. So you know how the, uh, the stewardess and the, uh, the pilots, they go to a particular hotel. Generally, it's the same hotel. Yeah. And so uh, they came up with this thing later, but she was one of the reasons that they did, where they tell you these safety checks. So you know how they have uh, in the hotels the big curtain. Yeah. In the windows, they have pretty big, heavy drapery. Mm-hmm. Now, they used to do it to where it came all the way to the floor. So what they started doing was um, making it to where it came uh, above the, so you could see shoes. So wow. apparently what these guys were doing was they would go into the hotel room and they would hide behind the curtains uh, of the windows or they would hide behind the showers. And so they were attacking airline stewardess. Jeez. And um, she was there to tell about her experience. She was actually one of the victims, but she said um, that something told her to not close her door. So they would hide under the beds, which is the reason why we see now most of the beds are um, platform beds. Hmm. So they started putting in safety measures to keep that from happening. And she was able to escape, but it was a pretty big thing. And so, you know, there are so many things that we are not aware of, um, even as to why uh, certain things changed. 
Um, but they change because for our safety. I, I think that they should start back bringing. Do you remember, like, the safety guards when you went to school? I think, yeah, yeah. Did you guys yeah. have safety guards, safety patrol? You have to help you cross the street and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the children could be safety patrols, too. And then they would have the crossing guard. Mm-hmm. And the crossing guard, uh, in a lot of cases, were there to watch even for the safety of the children. Mm-hmm. And when I was in elementary school, they had safety patrol. And you patrol not just them crossing the street, but in case there were strangers, you had whistles to blow. And so some of those things were very good programs that I think we may need to uh, to implement in case there is something that is being uh, some type of danger, you know, that they can blow a whistle and get somebody's attention. Because just like with screaming fire, a whistle is going to get someone's attention, mm-hmm. you know. That's true. I certainly enjoy talking about this today to our listeners and just really getting them informed because it's important Mm -hmm. and our community, a part of us staying connected uh, with our community as, and you know, we're inspiring all of you that are listening from other areas, a part of staying connected with your community is also looking out for the safety of your community and bringing them an awareness as to the things that are occurring, whether it be good, you know, because we post a lot of events, you know, things that are happening at our civic centers or uh, orchestra halls or conference, you know, convention centers. We do post a lot of entertainment, but I'm not sure sometimes if we get enough of this type of information uh, so that we can spread it and make sure that, you know, people are at least aware in ways that we can protect, you know, our community. Yeah, a big thing is just making people aware, bring awareness to everyone about it. Because there's, I mean, there's yeah. human trafficking, but there's also other topics, too, that we just need to be more aware of. Absolutely. That's so true. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about what you dress, say about you. Thank you for listening this to Staying Connected in the Wiregrass. Brought to you by the radio people. This is episode eight. And Dr. Sarah, it's been so long since I spoke to you. <laughs> It's been like a month since our last episode. That's okay because life gets busy and just means that we get busy as well too. And it's just a normal part of life.